Well, hello there, and welcome back in to the latest edition of the Bet U.S. Boxing Show. I am just the somewhat competent host, T.J. Reeves. He is our insider, Dan Rayfield from BigFightWeekend.com. Dan has been on the boxing beat for the better part of two decades. We love his insight. Great to be back for another week. And once again, at the risk of people making fun of us because we love to pat ourselves on the back, we've actually been giving out some good advice. We have a standard Dan Rayfield to live up to once again on the Bet US Boxing Show. How you feeling? No pressure, right, TJ? No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> we love making the boxing picks. We love getting into it. We will tell you up front, we have a fight card tonight in Southern California, a top-ranked boxing card that we will get to. But the bigger fight, I think everybody would agree, involves lightweight contender Ryan Garcia for Saturday night. Both of these fights in Southern California. We're anxious to talk about those and some other news. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into all of this. You can see down at the bottom of the screen how you can find us through BetUS TV. By the way, there are more and more of you finding out about the show. Dan Rayfield, we were saying last week, can we get to 500 subscribers before July? Well, we more than doubled the subscribers last week. We're already right at 500. Should I go ahead and set the goal? Can we get to 1,000 subscribers? I don't know, but can we get to 1,000 subscribers over the next couple of weeks before the end of July? That only happens with the peeps, with the savages, as I like to say. Your help, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, share this out. We're live Fridays at 1 Eastern time. Uh, previewing the fight weekend. So again, the like button, the bell, the subscribe, that's all in our favor. Keep it going. Keep it. I think we can get there. Let's see. I, I was pleasantly surprised to see the audience growing. And again, we're at a time of the year when there's a lot of uh, other sports that have finished up, whether that's the NBA, the NHL, football is not started yet. We're right here in the wheelhouse, Dan and Rayfield, listen, with the boxing. More importantly, if they're listening and they're taking our advice, they're winning for the most part. Yes. And that's you what had a four. Yes, you had a four and two week last week. I had a three and one week last week, and we're going to get into that with the picks. Hey, no time to waste. The savages are ready to go with the questions and answers. Get those ready, by the way. If it's something we're not covering, or you got something else on your mind. Uh, let's get into it. We've got a Friday night top ranked boxing card that is coming on ESPN. They'll televise it all over the country. So fight number one is their main event. This is a junior welterweight non-title fight. Arnold Barboza of Southern California, uh, fighting essentially in his backyard. Danalito, or little Daniel Zoria of Puerto Rico, is the opponent. Both guys undefeated, fairly even fight, with an under-over of eight and a half rounds. Dan Rayfield, let's go to you for this one. Even though it's a non-title fight, it does have some intrigue on this Friday night. Almost definitely. I mean, it may not be an official eliminator or for a world title, uh, but the reality is when you have two undefeated fighters in a televised main event that's going to be seen all over the place, uh, it's important for these guys to do their business because the winner is going to be moving on to something bigger and better, whether it's an official eliminator or not. Uh, these are, like uh, we've talked about, two undefeated fighters, both willing to put their records on the line against each other for not specific high stakes, but knowing that the guy that gets his hand raised is moving on to something bigger and better. Uh, I have to give Zaria a lot of credit. He's going, as you mentioned, to uh, Arnold Barboza Jr.'s basically his backyard in California. He's fighting on Barboza's promotion because he's with Top Rank, whereas Zaria is with Miguel Cotto Promotions uh, in Puerto Rico. So he's traveling. He's on the road. He's the B-side. He's the underdog, although slightly. And it shapes up 
like an Arnold Barboza victory, to be honest with you, because he is the guy that this is all centered around. He has a little bit of a better resume, in my opinion. He has been inactive. He's coming back after about an 11-month layoff, uh, but he is ready for this fight. He he was actually the opponent that Top Rank has been talking about facing uh, Tiafimo Lopez Jr. when he returns, uh, when he moves up to the junior welterweight division. He had been the lightweight champion coming off of a loss and some uh, injuries that he had surgery on. Uh, they ended up going in a different direction for his return fight against Pedro Campa that will take place next month, and I'm sure we'll have a show that revolves around that also. Uh, but Barbosa's no joke. He's he's maybe not the elite top number one, number two contender in the weight class, but he gives that weight class some depth in the top ten. He is uh, he knows that with a victory he's going to get a bigger fight because his promoter, top rank, is very deep in the weight class. They promote the... The unified champion, Josh Taylor. They promote the former title holder, Jose Ramirez. They promote Tifima Lopez. Uh, they have a lot of business going on at 140 pounds. Uh, important fight. And here's the other interesting thing about this. Because they're both undefeated, it, it seems to me that because of that, it's going to give both guys a little extra oomph to make it a good, uh, you know, really go for it. So I'm expecting it to be, you know, maybe not a barn burner, maybe not the fight of the year, but a pretty solid fight. Uh, that will be contested at a pretty high level. I just see Barbosa with the with the confidence he has, with the hometown advantage, so to speak, having just a little extra to get the job done and win by a decision. All right, interesting that you're putting that out there. Again, he's got more professional experience, uh, Barbosa. But like you warn us, a lot of times it's who is that against. You may have more fights, you may have more wins. So he's got about ten more pro fights, Barbosa, uh, or Barbosa in this one. Uh, than Zorilla uh, has, but uh, again, it's the who, and I like Zoria here uh, as a live dog. What do you think of this? This is already a discussion going on in the live chat here. What do you think of Zoria as the live dog coming in? I did do a little research here and saw a little bit about him, that in four of his last six fights, Zoria, again, question the competition, I don't know, four of his last six fights, he's ended the fight in either the second or third round by knockout or stoppage. How big of a live dog do you think Zoria is here, Dan? I mean, he's a live dog. I mean, this is not this is not the kind of fight where uh, you know top rank made a fight where they're just looking to get their guy a win. Uh, they understand they need to put on real fights, particularly if it's the main event for sure. So again, Barbosa is the favorite, and I think with good reason, in part because of the fact that the other guy is traveling, but because in my mind Barbosa's got a, a little bit more pro experience, a little bit better competition that he has faced. Uh, but it's not – I wouldn't – if, if Barbosa loses and Zuri is the guy that walks out of the ring with the victory, I don't consider that to be some dramatic upset of, you know, huge sort of situation. I think it's just a good, solid win for a guy that will be going places with the victory. All right, so let's lock it in for the two of us. Again, this is a Friday night fight, so obviously if you're seeing us after Friday, you already know how smart Rayfield is or how dumb I was to do what we're doing here. Dan is going with the favorite, Arnold Barboza, and he is doing so by decision. I am going on the opposite side of the aisle, just on the money line with Danilito, little Daniel Zoria out of Puerto Rico, just to win. Dan, I'm not concerned about the how. I'm not concerned about the knockout of the decision. I just want the underdog victory here on the money line playing at plus 170. And Dan's going to go a step further with the obvious. If he's taking uh, Barboza, he's also going to take the over prop if he's taking Barboza by decision. So Dan has also got the over. 
Not paying great here, Dan, at minus 375, but you might as well double up if you believe in the decision, right? Real quick. Yeah, I mean, neither. I know you mentioned about how uh, Zaria's got some some knockouts and that sort of thing. Neither guy, in my estimation, I've seen both these guys fight before. They're not. They're good boxers, but they're not really noted punchers. And when they are scoring knockouts, it's not against the top guys. When you begin to step up your level of opposition in boxing, it's generally the rule that you're going to see your knockouts, uh, you know, be reduced. It's not always the case if you're, you know, a, a gigantic puncher, but neither of these guys would fall into that category. So as they increase their level of opposition, it would appear that the knockouts would become fewer. And this, in my mind, is an increase in competition for both of these guys. Uh, that said, I do think, in looking at the records, that Barbosa, at least over his last, day, say, three or four fights, his competition level has been a, bit, a little bit better than the competition than, than Zaria has fought, which is my reasoning for selecting him not only to win the fight, but also to go the distance, because I do think that Zaria is a step up for him. Neither guys that I am aware of has shown uh, what you would call a, a chin problem in, in, in the sense that they get dropped or they've certainly obviously not been stopped as they're both undefeated. Uh, you know, it's one of those kind of fights where you sort of – there's there's no wrong bet, frankly, because it, both guys are eminently capable of winning the match. As we like to say, and this phrase is out there right now, somebody's O has to go. Somebody's yep. unbeaten record has to go, unless, God forbid, there's a draw. We're not going to even discuss that. <laughs> Top rank Friday night show. Let's see how it goes uh, for that one. I think I saw Aaron Rod, who's a frequent guest in our in our live chat here, saying, "Hey, I think I signed with uh, side with Dan on this one too to go with the favorite. Might sign uh, with Dan there." He says, "Let's see. Let's see if it is Barboza tonight in the home area uh, with the crowd behind him." Uh, we'll find out if there's a lot of action. We do believe in fight number two, there will be a lot of action. Top lightweight contender Ryan Garcia back in the ring for the second time in about four months as he steps back in to fight veteran Javier Fortuna. This one's Saturday night in Los Angeles. Stay in Southern California. It's at the Crypto.com Arena, the former Staples Center, downtown L.A. where the Lakers play. Garcia heavily favored uh, better odds right now on either the knockout or the decision. Over under seven and a half rounds, Dan Rayfield. What do you believe happens in this one? Golden Boy Boxing main event Saturday night. Well, first of all, uh, Ryan Garcia is one of the more popular fighters in boxing. And as you mentioned, he's coming back to have his second fight uh, of this year already uh, in the main event on the zone. And the reality for, for Garcia is he's been pretty inactive for a young star. This is going to be only the... Uh, the first, well, it'll be the first time since 2019 that he's had at least two fights in one calendar year. Obviously, part of that was pandemic related, but it's been well chronicled that Ryan had uh, an issue where he was dealing with mental health issues that caused him to withdraw from a fight against Javier Fortuna that was supposed to be last spring uh, of 2021. Then he was supposed to come back in the fall in November and take on uh, Joseph Diaz Jr., the former title holder at Junior Lightweight. Uh, that fight he also pulled out of not because of the mental health issues, which he had apparently had under control, but because he had a hand injury and needed surgery that kept him out of the ring until April of this year when he came back and he put on a one-sided um, uh, whipping of Emmanuel Tego, dropped him, won a unanimous lopsided decision. And now uh, with, with a fight that was discussed, it was ordered, it didn't happen, it fell apart. He was supposed to have an elimination bout against Isaac Pitbull Cruz. When that went away, uh, the Fortuna fight came back alive. And so that's the match we have on Saturday. And these guys have been going back and forth because Fortuna's viewpoint is that Garcia ducked them a year ago or a little over a year ago. And uh, Garcia obviously, you know, has the, the reasons why that happened. I don't think he was ducking him, obviously. 
Uh, so there's no real like love loss between these two guys. It's been a little bit of tension filled in terms of the promotion. But Ryan Garcia at age 23 is an electrifying talent. I know he gets a lot of grief from a lot of fans. They call him a pretty boy. You know, he's just an Instagram guy. He's got like eight, nine million followers. He's not a real fighter. That's a lot of nonsense. He's a very hardworking young man, a very good fighter. And Fortuna's a good fighter also, but the clear B side, a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit past his prime, um, hasn't really won the big fight yet, but he's a capable and a dangerous opponent. If Ryan Garcia is not ready, uh, there's going to be some trouble in my mind, but I feel like he's ready. He's in his second fight with Joe Goosen as his trainer after parting ways with Eddie Reynoso. And Joe is a fantastic trainer. Uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame someday. Um, and I saw the, the media workout, uh, TJ, that, that he put on a couple of days ago. And Ryan Garcia looks in absolutely phenomenal condition for this fight. And that's a big thing. And I've said this before. One thing about Joe Goosen. His guys come ready to fight in terms of being in shape. And I made the joke, except for maybe the one heavyweight that he's worked with for a long time, Chris Ariola. But his guys are known to come in tip-top shape. He has uh, Ryan Garcia, looks like, from at least a physical standpoint, ready to go. Ryan has sounded good with everything he has said. Um, one thing interesting, uh, and Fortuna has picked up on this and talked about it. He says, well, Ryan Garcia, he's looking past me. He's talking about fighting Gervonta Tank Davis, which obviously yep, is a yep. mega fight in the sport. I, my take on that is that it's not that Ryan is looking past Fortuna. He's motivated by the prospect of maybe getting a fight with Gervonta Davis or some other big name in the division. So he uses that as a motivation, not that he's looking past the guy. Um, but look, in the end, Ryan Garcia is a better puncher. Ryan Garcia is faster. Ryan Garcia is younger. It's Ryan Garcia's promotion. It's his event. Uh, you know, And you just add the basic math up that I just outlined, and this all spells Ryan Garcia in a big way, in an exciting way on Saturday night. I think he gets it done by a knockout. Yeah, I think you and I are in agreement on that. In fact, I think we have a question that's already up there off of uh, off the chat about how quick after this fight is over with, will Ryan Garcia utter the name Tank Davis? We don't have an odd uh, a, a line set on that on BetUS, but it. I will go <laughs> over under at the second sentence. Maybe maybe the third sentence will be, I want Tank Davis next after he talks about the knockout for a mega fight that would honestly be worth several million dollars to both of them probably oh, if it yeah. happens. Huge right? fight. Fair? Yeah. Absolutely fair. I think that the over-under on him mentioning uh, Tank Davis is if he has Fortuna on the deck, he may be standing over him yelling Tank Davis before the fight's even called. <laughs> he's mouthing, I want Tank while he's in the ring. And by the way, I, I don't want to like get all the peeps uh, excited because the Tank Davis fight – Right. You know, between him and Ryan Garcia, you want to talk about uh, heavy lifting to make a match uh, that has so much drama to making that fight. The the business side would be right. Almost as uh, competitive and, and difficult as the actual fight. They have different promoters. They have different broadcast networks for those, for those who don't know what you're talking about. It, it is complicated. It more than likely can happen. But at least for shows like this on BetUS, it's good fodder. Let, let's hope – I mean, we, we, you and I remember the day when guys would put that aside and just fight. That's well, what we no, want to see not, with Garcia have, Davis. No, I don't have, like, the, uh, the, the memories of the quote-unquote good old days because ever since I've been doing this 22-plus years, that's always been a problem. It's more yeah. pronounced now in some yeah. ways. It's never been ever just put things aside. Today in particular, look, there's always been fights that try to get made with different broadcasters and different promoters. This one in particular is more complicated because not only do they have different promoters and have different uh, broadcasters, the promoters hate each other. 
that's a problem. Mayweather promotions and and uh, right. Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy promotions, zero love whatsoever. A, a big dose of hate goes all the way back to when Floyd Mayweather and Oscar were both promoted by top rank, and Oscar was the star, and Floyd felt constrained because he was on the undercards and you know still the up-and-coming guy, and it went all the way through their big mega fight that set all the records in boxing before Floyd fought Manny Pacquiao. Um, there's a lot of water under that bridge. So I don't want to get people all pumped up that, oh, you know what, if if Ryan wins, he's fighting Tank next. No, no, <laughs> highly unlikely. But that's what Ryan Garcia wants. That's what Ryan Garcia's been talking about for probably the better part of a year uh, as the fight he wants. And I know that Tank Davis is a competitor also that I'm sure that if you asked him uh, to be truthful, he'd say, yeah, he'd love to fight uh, Ryan Garcia. So the main thing, though, is this. Enjoy Ryan Garcia and have your Fortuna Saturday you know, get your get your bets down, you know, think about how the way it's going to go and enjoy that that event on Saturday, because that should be, you know, a, a good crowd and a, and a fun night. And uh, we'll see what happens when it's all over with. All right. Uh, peeps, get your questions and answers ready. By the way, a little housekeeping here live on the show. So, Dan, they have a different social media tweet that is out for the show. If you don't mind, go ahead, because Dan's got a lot of stroke and a lot of influence. Go ahead and hit that live on the show here while we're sitting here, 1 Eastern time on Fridays. It gives me a chance to remind you, even if you're not with us live at 1 Eastern time, you you still can see the show uh, through BetUS, their platform, through the YouTube channels, um, through social Social media, as Dan is sharing it out right now, all the way through these fights. We do have one on Friday night. We do have one on Saturday night. But we're here. The point is live on Fridays. Come be with us on BetUS TV live on Fridays uh, for that. And we'll sit here for a little while and take some questions and answers coming up in a couple of minutes. If you peeps have it live, we'll reward you. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll find out uh, what the peeps want to know about, including maybe our dinner plans. I don't know if we're going to share that. If Dan's going on a vacation. Well, uh, this week, I don't know. I, we'll we'll you, take some questions from the people. Did you make your pick? On, I, maybe I missed it. Did We're you about make to pick? make the picks. Let's lock it in. You okay. and I agree on Ryan Garcia by knockout. So let's see that at minus 225 on the Bet US line. I, I like him to get the KO. I don't think this is going the route, which is a better payoff, by the way. I think it's plus 200 right now on Bet US for a Garcia decision. And again, Dan, we should say this he's minus 1400. Yeah. On the money line, that's really almost not worth your while to be spending a hundred and forty dollars to win a hundred. I, I mean, it's it's crazy, um, you know, uh, to spend fourteen hundred to win a hundred. Uh, it's crazy on those yeah, odds. I mean, I've never been much of a money line guy anyway, unless it's just yeah. a really, really difficult pick. So, I, I personally don't really see the ton of value on that in this particular fight. Um, we agree on the knockout. Uh, I took the over, which I believe was seven and a half. All right, so we disagree here. The over-under is 7.5, and, and take a look on the screen. Dan believes it lasts longer than the middle of the eighth round. I believe Garcia gets to him quicker. Let's pose it like this. If Garcia is not able to get to him, let's say, before eighth round bell, why? What has Fortuna done well besides just survive? Tactically, how does he get this into the later rounds? What do you say? Well, first of all, Fortuna shouldn't be discounted. He does have some offense. He does have some movement. He has given uh, other opponents uh, frustration in the past. Uh, I think he's got a decent chin. He's got three losses. One of them was by a knockout, but it was in the 11th round by Jason Sosa several years ago, overseas in China. Uh, you know, I saw that fight. It wasn't like he got blitzed and just, you know, went to sleep. Um, it, it was it was a knockout, but it wasn't what you would call a devastating knockout. You know, Fortuna has shown a pretty good beard against, you know, some very solid fighters over the years. 
Um, you know, Ryan Garcia does have, you know, extreme power uh, in, in, in not the Tyson ways, but he's so fast with his punches. It's not that he has, uh, you know, devastating power. It's that the punches land so quick you don't see them. And even if that's not a big, big shot, still is able to hurt a guy because that person doesn't see it. But Fortuna's got good reflexes and doesn't usually get hit too clean. You mentioned Joe Goosen, the famed trainer that's trained some world champions in the past. He's made some remarks about, hey, I have now seen this in the gym up close and personal, and this guy has got real, natural, God-given snap on those punches, including that left hand. So again, what do you expect somebody that's in the camp, somebody that's in the management to say, but Goosen has only joined them for the previous fight and this fight, and I thought that was a very interesting observation he made about Garcia's punching power, which tells you this could be over with one shot early. That's why I like the under here. I'm going I'm going less here. You like the over in this case. Well, I mean, look, I know Ryan was coming off of a long layoff. Uh, he couldn't do it to, to go, who's a less experienced, not nearly as good of a fighter as Fortuna when they met in April. He did get a knockdown against Tigo in that fight, but it went the route. Uh, part of it was because Tego spent so much of that fight really just running and fleeing away from his punches. Uh, I don't know if Fortuna is going to resort to that. Uh, you know, in terms of Joe talking about the snap that Ryan has, yes, this is going to be only their second fight together. But remember, Ryan Garcia and Joe Goosen know each other uh, going back to Ryan Garcia's amateur days when he used to train at Joe's gym in Southern California. Joe's been in the ring with him a little bit when he was an amateur. So they've had a relationship for a long time, which is one of the reasons why when Ryan uh, parted ways with Eddie Reynoso that he sought out Joe to be his trainer because of that past relationship. Uh, but I'm sure that Joe has seen the improvements. And, you know, you do one camp with Joe Goose and it wasn't a, t- a full two-month camp to get ready for it to go. Now they've had more time to work with each other. And, uh, you know, he's putting in place. I mean, he's not going to change Ryan Garcia. But, again, Ryan's only 23 years old. He's got still some room to grow that Joe can sort of, uh, you know, put his touch on it, sort of shine him up, you know, freshen him up, uh, but the one thing that Joe can't teach and no trainer can teach is, is the power. And, and, the, and the left hand is so incredibly fast that even if it doesn't have all the punch, on, all, the, all the snap on it, it still can hurt a guy if he doesn't see it. Remember, the, the surgery that Ryan had was on his right hand, um, you know, on his wrist area. And uh, apparently that's now good to go, all healed up. So now he's a true two-handed fighter, makes him even that much more dangerous. But again, Fortuna, as I mentioned, uh, has shown a pretty good chin other than you know, several years ago, and so again, Sosa, who was also for one shot a very good puncher, also. Um, I, I understand why Ryan is the big favorite. I do think he scores a knockout. I just think that 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 the the reservoir of knowledge and experience and chin and all the things that go into becoming a top fighter that that Fortuna has enough of it to last into the second half of the fight. I mean, this is got this is not a guy that yes, he's the B side, but you know, he did have for a while. Uh, one of the the second tier titles at 130 pounds. He had a uh, interim title at 126 pounds. Again, mm-hmm. he's fought some very solid opponents over the last several years. Uh, he's and the other thing also I think is very important, TJ. You know, not a lot of guys are looking to sign up to fight Ryan Garcia. Everyone wants to call him a pretty boy, but I don't see all the top guys lining up to fight him. Especially to go walk in that arena where he's going to easily have 8, 10, 12,000 fans in May. I don't know if you've heard about the ticket sales. It may be close to a sellout before it's over with. You're going into his environment against an up-and-coming big puncher. You're right. He's not afraid of that and to do it in his backyard. And not only that, but he he embraced this fight. This is a fight that he signed for a year ago, plus – and, you know, it wasn't he who pulled out of the fight. It was Ryan that withdrew from the fight. Not not saying that Ryan was scared, as we talked about. He was dealing with his own personal issues. Uh, but 
in, in Javier Fortuna's mind, he feels like Ryan was ducking him when he signed to fight this fight over a year ago. So there's some element of confidence. And I've said this a million times. Yes, boxing, of course, a lot of it is physical for sure, but so much of it is mental and, and the confidence that the athlete brings into the ring that I think that Fortuna you know, is brimming with an element of confidence. If you watch the press conference, he stood right to Ryan Garcia, walked right up to him, <laughs> uh, gave him a, a, a Chicago Bulls hat because I guess Ryan is a Chicago Bulls fan and, uh, you know, was talking a lot of stuff to him. But, you know, he was not in any way shrinking from the moment. You know, Fortuna has been maybe not on the top, top stage, but he's fought good fighters. He's fought in big right. shows. He's fought in big arenas. This is not his first rodeo, even though this is going to be his biggest fight. I'm just laughing because there's a lot of guys brimming with confidence the day before at the press conference oh, or yeah. two days before or the way in, and then let's see what happens when they get hit. But you're right. He's been in with a lot of big names, uh, so that's good stuff. Again, you and I agree on the Garcia knockout. You have the over seven and a half rounds. I have the under seven and a half rounds. Let's get to some questions and answers from the peeps. Let me say this, Dan Rayfield. I think we'll sit here for a few minutes. I okay. see the audience growing again. On the Bet US I'm live show, somebody asked about some of these wow, some wacky undercard fight like last week. Get ready, you what you ask and you shall receive. Aaron Rod wants to know on the undercard on the Golden Boy show is a fighter named Oscar Colazzo. Oscar Colazzo is a strawweight. We're going to test you off the cuff. Do you oh. know about Oscar Colazzo and what do we think of this fight? It's a couple of fights down on the undercard. Honestly, I, I'm going to take a pass on that one. I just I don't, I'm not equipped on. I know Luis Colazzo, the former right. welterweight title holder. Now I know that Oscar Colazzo was considered like a prospectish type of guy. He is right. on this undercard, uh, but uh, you know, not a fight that I have He's paid. Fighting a lot of someone to. named Victorio Saludar, and this is straw yeah. weights, which is what like a hundred and eight, or is that a hundred and eleven, no, hundred eight? That's uh, the smallest weight class in boxing, one hundred and five pounds. If I'm not mistaken, it's a WBA title elimination fight. <laughs> The winner would put himself in position to get a, uh, a championship opportunity in that weight division. Um, we you gave know. you something on it. Again, there's not a line on that fight on the Bet US. Line. I'm not surprised there's not a line on that so fight. Just, so really just be careful. Again, are you betting a fight just to bet a fight? All right, Listen, another question. A Rod is the savage of savages. He's in here every single week. He's looking. <laughs> yes. to, he'd bet you and me who was going to, you know, be able to grab the front seat of the car when we come into the yes, parking lot. Yes, exactly. If uh, or you know, which one's going to grab the uh, the ketchup for the hot dog that you like to put on? Uh, wait a minute. Hamed's got a couple of questions. What is this? Who would have won Golovkin or Pirogue okay. in 2012? Why are we going back to a fight a decade ago as opposed to like sometime in the? Why. All right, go ahead, please. When Triple G came to the United States to fight on HBO for the first time, his original opponent was supposed to be Dimitri Pirot, uh, who had been the WBO middleweight champion, who had scored a spectacular knockout against uh, uh, Danny Jacobs and, and sort of burst on the scene. And unfortunately, Dimitri Pirot suffered a back injury, pulled out of that fight, and, and uh, Triple G made his American debut instead against a fighter named Greg Proxa instead. And the Pirog fight never happened, and Pirog... Uh, never really never fought again after the back injury. He retired because it was so bad. And so the question uh, that that's a fight that people wanted to see at the time. It never happened. And I've heard this question before. And in my opinion, if you know what Triple G is like in his prime, what he did to Proxa that night, what he did for the next you know ten years or so after that fight, Triple G would have absolutely annihilated Piro. Period. Point blank. All right. Good on that. Hamed had another question about broadcasters. You and I are big fans of the HBO broadcast uh, that went off the air a few years ago after 40 plus years in business. Barry Tompkins, Jim Lampley, Larry Merchant. 
uh, Emmanuel Stewart, George Foreman, always on the commentary on HBO. So Hamed wants to know, with HBO out of the way and no longer broadcasting boxing, do you prefer ESPN, ESPN Fight Card tonight? Uh, that's what Joe Tessitore, Tim Bradley, the former world welterweight champion, Andre Ward, the Hall of Fame light heavyweight champion. Do you prefer Showtime with Mauro Ronaldo? Uh, the Hall of Famer Al Bernstein is the analyst, Abner Mara is the fighter, or DeZon with our buddies Todd Grisham, the Latin Snake, Sergio Mora, and Chris Mannix. You got some choices in this country yeah. well, on the, the question, different broadcasters. What do you think? Look, they're all they're all professionals. They're all good at what they do. And I'm friendly with many of those people that you mentioned. I know every single one of them. I've known them for years, all of them, and I respect every single one of, of them of what they do. Uh, but I keep it real. Uh, if I have to pick, and again, it's no knock on those other guys because, again, they do a good job. But to me, and the, the the team, they've been together the longest. They've been doing it at the highest level. They really click. They have a tremendous production team overall. Uh, I have to go with Showtime. You know, Al Bernstein is the OG. He's, he's uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the post-Larry Merchant days, Al has got the gravitas of any uh, commentator in the sport of boxing. He's been doing this. For a long time, not to make him sound that old, but you know he's he's done it. He used to forty do it. years, forty yeah, I mean, years at the highest on, level of championship fights. He did it on ESPN back, you know, when ESPN was first mm-hmm. starting out as a as a as a network. Um, but you know, Al is one of the best in the business. He's in my this is again my opinion. He's like the glue of that team because he's got the institutional knowledge. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He keeps it straight, but he keeps it entertaining. I, I have the massive respect for Al, who I consider a friend. Um, you know, the, the 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 analyst role of the expert commentator, which has rotated among different people over the years, but now is uh, in the capable hands and mouth of Abner Morris, who really knows what he's doing. I feel like Abner has really improved over the years, uh, really good at breaking fights down, uh, coming at it with the fighter point of view, as does the fighters that are on those other broadcasts, like a Timothy Bradley, mm-hmm. like a Sergio Mora, um, you know, again, they're all good. But in terms of the team, and then you have Mauro Ronaldo, and I've said this before, when Mauro Ronaldo started doing Showtime boxing, I couldn't stand him. Not because he wasn't a nice guy. On a personal level, you're not going to meet a nicer guy. But I did the, the over-the-top element of some of his calls used to drive me a little wacky. And the combination of him kind of – maturing a little bit in terms of his call right. because he came to the sport and being known for wrestling, for MMA, for other types of combat. Um, I feel like over the years, he's really grown into the role and he's gotten better at calling boxing. I respect a lot of what, of, of the ability to do that. And so when you take the, all those personalities, you mesh them together and you have Morrow and you have Al who's understated, but gets his point across. You have Abner who really is capable of saying uh, the right thing in terms of what's happening in the ring. I, you know, not to belabor the point. And again, not a knock on any of the other teams who all do a good job too. But uh, if I have to pick, I'm going with my boys at Showtime right now. And again, the DAZN guys will have the call Saturday night. I love the Latin snake. He's from Southern California, Sergio Mora. Uh, they bust his chops some on the fight. Uh, there was a recent oh, listen, fight I- when they were... Listen, there was a recent fight when they were busting his chops about having to make weight at some point. It's like an inside joke. And uh, and Todd Grisham on the play-by-play was saying, hey, how much weight did you have to cut before you made that fight? And he just immediately busted back the same amount that Mannix needs to cut right now to get up a few flights of stairs. I went, ba-boom. This is, Listen, uh, we're in with I've the last uh, stick. So back. I enjoy those guys too. I've had my back and forth with Sergio over the years going back to when he was an active professional. Uh, so, you know, we have a... It wasn't always a good relationship, but we have become friendly over the years. 
Todd is my boy. We spent a lot of years working together at ESPN. ESPN, and doing, right. Doing Sports Center hits together and that sort of stuff. And and Chris Mannix, I've been ringside with for many years. Uh, I consider Chris a friend also. I mean, they're all good guys, man. They all know what they're doing. All right. Allegedly, we know what we're doing. We're still hanging here with a couple of more questions. The audience still growing. Let me remind you again, hit the like button, hit the subscribe. We're here live Fridays at 1 Eastern time. And I'm seeing more and more of you in the live chat that are asking questions. So, Dan, we'll sit here for a couple more minutes and ask questions. But, again, you're helping us by hitting the like button, hitting the bell, subscribing to us, sharing it out. More people will find uh, our information. Again, last week we were a combined uh, between the two of us um, seven and three on the show. You were four and two. I was three and one on the show. I am five and one the last two weeks for what that's worth on the picks. And we'll go over the picks again in a couple of minutes. A couple of more comments from the savages, as we like to say. We, we mean that affectionately with the uh, the savages. Uh, Ale Pay wants to know this is a British fight. I looked at it just a second ago. These are middleweights, Clark and Heffron, if I said it correctly. This is on a London fight card Saturday afternoon, U.S. time. Uh, it is on the undercard of the Shiraz Torres middleweight main event. These guys are the co-feature, Lennox Clark, Mark Heffron. Mighty One, do you have anything on that fight Saturday in London? Well, first of all, it's the super middleweights, uh, one web, one you. Class upper middleweights. Uh, they are fighting for the Commonwealth, I believe the Commonwealth title, which in in uh, in Great Britain and all through the UK is kind of a big deal. It's sort of like the natural progression for a younger fighter. If they do it the traditional route, it's win the British title, try to grab the Commonwealth title, maybe the European title, and then you'll pronounce yourself ready for a world title fight. So Clark and Heffron, you know, it's like an even kind of matchup. Um, one thing about... Uh, Clark is eyes on bet us. Can I just interject? Sure. I just yeah. looked and found it. Uh, Clark favored minus 350, Heffron plus 250, so a little more than an even. Uh, Heffron may be a live underdog there, over under 10 and a half rounds for what it's worth. Continue on with your thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a strong opinion about who wins the fight, but I said I, I, I sort of lean towards uh, I sort of lean towards uh, uh, Lennox Clark in the fight because. He's coming off a really excellent victory that was kind of an upset. You know, Willie Hutchinson was like the greatest amateur you could find from Scotland in the history of the country, practically. Uh, big, big, big mega prospect. He stopped him in the fifth round in a real shocker. And so I'm sure he's brewing with comp- brimming with confidence off of a victory like that. And in a fight that otherwise seems like a pretty close call, I guess I would put a slight edge towards him uh, if you really feel like you need to wager on the fight. All right. couple more questions before we're gone here. Um, another, I think Marianne was just weighing in, if I have that correct. If it's not Marianne, he's here all the time or she's here all the time. I'm not sure which on that. Uh, was saying, I'm kind of late to this, likes the British card, but also says, look out that Fortuna might be able to hang in with Ryan Garcia uh, coming up on Saturday night. There's Marianne. Uh, they're late to, the, late to the party, I think, meant to type. Um, and again, boxing worldwide. We got we got fights in Southern California. We got fights in London. Earlier this week, we had a world title fight in Japan, won by Kaz Ioka at one of the smaller weight divisions. Uh, he won a fight in, J- in Japan. They always love to fight on like Tuesday night and Wednesday night that's midweek. A, that's it a, doesn't mean anything about the weekend, right? No, no. That's that's uh, you know. In in I hear that all the time. Why are they fight on Tuesday? Why are they fight on Wednesday? In places specifically Japan and also Australia, having midweek fights is normal. And by the way. Our current generation of boxing fans here in America knows nothing other than major fights on Saturdays, occasionally on Friday. But when I was growing up in the 
don't want to date myself too much, but in like the 1970s and the 1980s, there were huge fights, mega fights. The biggest fights in boxing were on Monday nights, Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. Go look up on a calendar. Look at like the the Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, or Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, or uh, you That's know, correct. Some of the big mega fights that you've seen in those in those years. A lot of those fights were not on the weekends. They were during the week. You people ask me why. I always like to give the dissertation. The reason why is because there was no such thing back in those days as pay-per-view as we know it today. If you wanted to watch the big fight, you had to go to a venue to watch it, a closed-circuit location. That was typically a, a, a restaurant, a movie theater, some kind of you know, a, a, you know, community center, whatever. And in particular cases of the movie theaters – What's the slowest night of the week if you're a movie house? It's like Monday night, Tuesday night. Boom. Not a lot of people Boom. take it. Yep. Yeah, they're not going on dates on a Monday night or on a Tuesday night. And so as a way to fill up their theaters and and not in uh, you know get in the way of the big theatrical releases that were coming on the weekend, they had the big fights on those Monday nights and Tuesday nights. And the promoters loved it because they could bring in uh, a lot more people and they were getting a piece of those ticket sales. If you were going to a closed-circuit location – and you were buying a ticket for whatever the price was, you know, part of that money was going to the promoter. So it was a win-win for both the promoter and the and the venue. And so if you look through, boxing is replete in the, in the history of the sport over the last, uh, you know, say, pre-modern pay-per-view of the early 90s, late 80s, uh, that tons and tons of major fights were on those days. Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns fought on like a Tuesday yep. night or a Monday night. It was, like a, it was like a Monday night. Oh, yeah. Larry Holmes would defend the heavyweight title all the time on weeknights, not on weekends. And uh, by the way, CJ, if they yeah. were on weekends, if the if the bigger fights were on weekends, Larry Holmes, for example, they were on the afternoon because it was on Wide World of Sports or one of the main networks. Mm-hmm. And if there was fights that were taking place on a weekend you know, in in uh in 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 the European time zone, uh, the promoters love that in the United States, top rank especially because they promoted a lot of those fights. Uh, you know, uh, in in Europe at that time, particularly in the middleweight division, the light heavyweight division, because it was during the day uh, here while it was prime time in Europe, and you Correct. could get kind of the best of both worlds. You get two bites of the apple. Case. You get the network money from the United States uh, broadcasters and they got the European money from the European broadcasters. And that's when, you know, that was, those were mostly weekend fights, but that's the reason uh, why that happened. And so in, in places like Japan and Australia, uh, for whatever reason, they still choose to do a lot of their major fights uh, during the week. And I like it Love because you know what? I don't think every single fight needs to be in a week. And I always say, if you're going to compete, why do we have, we have 52 Saturdays in a year. Why does every single fight have to be on a Saturday? I mean, I get that the economics of it make it worthwhile, but I don't think that's the case for every single fight. I mean, today's an example. Um, Friday night, there is a top-ranked fight, not a mega fight, uh, but it worked for the ESPN schedule. It obviously worked for uh, the venue uh, in Temecula, California, which is the Pechanga Casino. And uh, so top-ranked said, we'll do the fight on Friday night, and we'll do it in the in the Pechanga Resort. And if they're paying the freight, I love you working in the uh, the Molly uh, the multisyllabic uh, replete. He's he's replete with all the info today here on the show. Nice job from the peeps uh, with the questions and answers. Let's circle back to our best bets and get out of here and see what we have. Two primary fights again. If you're seeing us after Friday night, you already know the top rank ESPN result uh, with Barboza. And uh, Zoria, that is a non-title junior welterweight fight that they're featuring on Top Rank ESPN out of Southern California. And Dan and I disagree on that one, as you see. He's got Barboza by decision. I got Zoria as the underdog to win it somehow, some way. We do agree on a Ryan Garcia knockout, but we disagree 
on the over-under. So Dan and I will be texting each other like round by round if it gets to the seventh round, if it gets to the eighth round on who's going to hit on that. With that, I think we're good for another weekend. Did we leave anything else out, my friend, before we're done on the Bet U.S. Boxing Show, Dan Rayfield? We're good. This is uh, this is what you call the dog days of the summer. So, yes, Ryan Garcia coming back is a big deal, but not exactly the most uh, uh, popular boxing weekend. But uh, we sure can make it work, even if there's just a couple of fights to talk about. And let me say again, thank you to the audience, because I am looking at how the audience doubled and almost tripled from the time that we came on. You're still finding us as we speak, probably. Remember, we're here live at 1 Eastern time on Fridays. You can obviously watch the show later uh, on Friday or on Saturday. Now, in this case, again, it's a Friday night top rank ESPN fight. So you're already going to have that result. If you're seeing us on Saturday, you already probably know what happened with the Borboza fight uh, on Friday night. But again, we're live Fridays at 1 Eastern. Thank you to everybody that was in the live chat participating. Hit that like button one more time. Hit the bell. Subscribe to the channel. We'll see what the subscriptions are up to as well. Uh, And we thank everybody with BetUS, Antonio running the show, Danny, uh, Natalie, uh, my man Alejandro, everybody else that sets the show up every week for us Fridays at 1. With that, Dan Rayfield, I think we're good, my friend. Have a great weekend. Let's see what happens with the fights. All right, you too, TJ, and we'll be back uh, to do it again next week. I look forward to it. Yeah, we, uh, we are all looking forward to that here on BetUS. A reminder, you can also read more, BigFightWeekend.com. Read Dan and me more on the Big Fight Weekend website, BigFightWeekend.com, previews and recaps. And see us on Fridays on BetUS TV and the Boxing Show. Bye.